We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Rob Doster here, and you are listening to a Field of 68 NBA Draft Prospect Profile. We're going to be rolling these out all month, leading up to a full first round live mock draft with the six NBA draft experts that we're going to be hosting one week before the actual draft itself takes place. While you're here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review, that stuff really does help us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on any of the platforms that you listen to the audio of this show. But listen, that's enough of that. That's enough of the promos. Let's get into today's prospect profile. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Field of 68's 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. My name is Greg Waddell. I've got Rob Doster here with me. And today we are breaking down Villanova forward Cam Whitmore. Six foot seven, 232 pounds. He averaged 12 a game, five rebounds, less than one assist, but 1.4 steals per game. Rob, where does Whitmore's game start for you when thinking about how it translates to the NBA level? It's the physicality and the athleticism, right? He is a guy that is six foot seven, 230 something pounds, and he doesn't turn 19 until the first week of July. He is a physical freak. He is a physical specimen. He is a guy where if he's able to get uh, half a step on you, like you're not, you're not catching up. You're getting dunked on, right? He is a terrific straight line driver and he has the physical body type of what every NBA team is looking for in terms of these switchable, versatile uh, guys that can guard power forwards that can also switch on to point guards, um, players that can knock down threes and also find a way to be able to get all the way to the rim. In theory, and I say that uh, for a reason, in theory, he is the prototype NBA wing in terms of what you're looking for in the modern era of the NBA. Now, we'll, we'll get into a lot of this, but... Uh, there are also some things about his game that I don't necessarily love. Uh, some of the decision-making. He's not a guy that is going to be a great passer right now, Greg. He averaged less than one assist per game, which is fewer than the number of assists per game uh, per show that Jeff Goodman averages. Um, <laughs> he is a guy that can dribble the air out of the ball a little bit. Like he doesn't, you can tell that he's wired to score. Uh, and you can tell that he's played in a lot of offenses where, like, you give him the ball and you get out of the way. Um, and I don't know if he's necessarily built to be a score, a lead score at the NBA level. There's not a lot of guys that are built for that. Um, and defensively, he is a physical marvel. 
He's also a guy that very much looked like an 18-year-old that missed a whole bunch of the preseason with a thumb injury when he was supposed to be drilling on uh, where you rotate to, when you switch, getting some of this, these things down. So there's a lot of work, and there's a lot of a, like there's a ceiling there. But the the kid, I mean, if you're just drafting for athleticism and potential, I don't know how many guys have more athleticism and potential uh, than Cam Whitmore, especially coming out of the college ranks. Yeah, I think he has a wide range of outcomes here because if you're drafting for upside, it's really easy to write off some of his limitations last year of what he showed at Villanova of like, oh, he missed the entire preseason. He missed the first month of the year. Like he was playing catch up for the first two months of the season. But the upside's there, right? When you're one of the youngest players in your class, when you're an elite athlete, when you're a good cutter, when you shoot the ball well at the rim, like the other things that maybe aren't there with his game right now, like the shooting, like the playmaking facilitation are things that he's shown flashes of, even if they're not consistent elements of his game right now. The biggest thing for me is it, to your point about he's a prototypical NBA wing, right? He's got the size six, seven, two thirty. Like he's only going to continue to grow into that frame and put more muscle on. The question for me is he's got to either be a primary offensive guy to be worth a lottery pick in this draft, which I think is a loaded draft, or he's got to be a proven three and D guy. And I question the shooting a little bit, to be honest with you. If you look at his numbers from last year, from February on when he really was healthy again, 31% from three, 69% from the free throw line. And I watched a lot of Villanova. I know you did too. You were a big proponent of hey, they're getting Justin Moore back. Cam Whitmore's finally rolling. This team's a totally different team than the team that lost a lot of games early. I never felt like he was the best player on Villanova even when I watched that. Maybe from a pro prospect standpoint, but certainly not from a primary option on a college team standpoint. Yeah, I, I'm I'm buying the shooting. He was a 40% catch-and-shoot guy this past season. Um, I think that he took a lot of uh, bad threes. I think he took a lot of shots that weren't necessarily the best shot selection. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that what Villanova was kind of forced into last year offensively was, okay, your turn to go one-on-one. Okay. Your turn to go one-on-one. Okay. Your turn to go one-on-one. They, they run a, they don't run a lot of sets. They run a lot of, um, it, it's very much an offense where it's like drive, kick, drive, draw two, get it out to somebody. And they didn't have that first person to kind of get into the lane and create the 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 cycle offensively so he was stuck doing a lot of one-on-one stuff and um he's good at that when he can get all the way to the rim if you can cut him off if you can force him to try to take a step back then he's not that great and i think some of that will come with time um like i said 40 percent catch and shoot the guy that made a bunch of corner threes like i think he's a guy where you can use him there i also think that he is enough of a physical presence that you can use him in different ways offensively. Like I can see him being a small ball five at some point in the NBA. I could see him playing in the dunker spot. Right. And I don't think that we should overlook the fact that he is still 18 years old, right? He is a full year younger than jet Howard, who is somebody that we'll talk about later on today. Um, So there's room for him to learn. Like, when you are that age, when you are a freshman, you're not supposed to have it all figured out defensively. You're not supposed to have it all figured out offensively. Uh, you're supposed to learn and you're supposed to develop over time. Um, the guy that I would compare him to, and tell me if you think this is crazy, there's there's two that I wrote down for Ooh. what his ceiling could be. Okay. Um, I think he's, he'll, 
if he hits his ceiling, if he continues to develop the jump shot, if he gets better defensively, if maybe he could add a little bit more passing range, I see him ending up somewhere in the Jalen Brown, Andrew Wiggins range. I think those uh, are the two guys. Like Jalen Brown had some of the same question marks coming out of Cal, and he got into an NBA organization. He figured it out a little bit. He was able to step out of the offense that they were running at Cal and, and, and showcase a little more of what he had. But I think he is a guy that eventually could end up being a 20 or should end up being a 20 point per game score at the NBA level. I don't know if he's going to be the first option. I mean, look, Jalen Brown, there's a reason why he's succeeding on the same team as Jason Tatum. Andrew Wiggins, there's a reason why his best years came when he was on the same team as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. It took the pressure off of him in terms of having to be that primary guy and just ask him, hey, look, go play some defense, be a crazy athlete, and get his 20 points a game. That's all you got to really do. And it took the pressure off those other parts of his game, and both those guys have thrived as secondary options. I think that's probably what Cam Whitmore ends up being. Yeah, so I think those are probably top 5% outcomes for Cam Whitmore, but I don't hate the comp, right? Like, you look at their college numbers, similar shooting percentages. They got better in that area when they got to the league. Two mm -hmm. things that I think have benefited those guys, to your point, situationally in the league, have been when they have been on a team with other guys who are the primary engine of that offense. I think Cam Whitmore desperately needs that. And to your point earlier, we didn't see that really at Villanova. By the time we hit February, even when Justin Moore was being reintegrated into the lineup, it was a lot of iso ball. It was a lot of get out of the way. Cam Whitmore, your turn, my turn. And had we seen him play with a great Villanova point guard, like, I, I think the narrative on Cam Whitmore could be totally different, and he looks Agreed. a lot different because he was so good as a cutter. He was so good off the ball. He's smart. He gets in the right spots. My comp is probably closer to his floor, but I want to throw this back at you. I see Justice Winslow in Cam Whitmore. I see a big body wing that, in theory, it's like, oh, if he has the jumper, he can do everything. He could play some small ball five. But in reality, we're not sure that jumper is ever going to get there. Ideally, he's a lockdown, positionally versatile defender. But I don't know that he ever becomes more than that. Yeah, and I think that's right there is the range of what he could end up being, right? Like you're talking about Justice Winslow to, to Jalen Brown is pretty much the entirety of the range of outcomes for Cam Whitmore. Which um, is worth like, like if you're yes. late lottery, that's probably worth a swing for upside, right? Yeah, and I, I would I would probably take him in the top eight. You know, I, I think Brandon wow. Miller is to me, Brandon Miller is clearly the best prospect coming out of the college ranks. And it's hard for me to sit here and say Cam Whitmore is not in the conversation for the sec second best prospect coming out of the college ranks this year. Um, but that's because I love I love the physicality and I love the things that you cannot teach. And if I'm an NBA organization, I'm betting on being able to teach him some of the stuff that he's not quite figured out yet, like being able to make some higher level reads, not getting tunnel vision when he puts the ball on the floor like there. Are, you can go back and watch the tape. Right. And there's lots of instances where he is getting to the basket and drawing a help defender. And all it takes is a little pocket pass, a little dump down, maybe a lob. And somebody's got a layup and he's forcing a tough, uh, a tough finish at the rim. Um, part of that is because he is a terrific finisher around the back. Like the dude is six, seven, two thirty, with a long wingspan, a crazy vert. Like he, he loves contact. He relishes the contact. He goes through the contact. People bounce off of him. You can't stop him once he gets a step by you. So, um, 
adding a little bit of that like mid-range game. And and look, look, the biggest thing, let's be honest, he has to drill the techniques and he has to learn the fundamentals of what it will take to be a team defender, not just to like stay in front of this dude, be a yep. weak side uh, helper. Um, got to get better at sitting in a stance. Got to get better at staying in front of guys. Got to get better at finishing off possessions. But all that will come. Like he's eighteen. He's not. He's not a finished product at all. Look at, look at all the guys right now that are kind of like 22, 23, 24, um, that are starting to really figure it out. De'Aaron Fox immediately comes to mind. Dennis Smith Jr. Another guy that comes to mind for me, like these elite athletes that took four, five, six years in the NBA once they get to their prime and now they're figuring out and they're at that level. So maybe you don't get it on his first contract. Maybe it's a second contract, but I, I just I love the upside with Whitmore. And like I said, the biggest thing is I'm buying the jumper and I think you could teach him to be what he needs to be defensively. I don't. Here's another name for you. I think OG Ananobi. Is a, is right there in the range of outcomes for him. Like I just, I that's probably I, in the middle of our. T- yeah. we, we went ceiling then floor. It's probably like OG feels most appropriate here. To yeah. Me. So I, I just, I love, I love the athleticism. I love yeah. the way that he can get to the basket, and I'm buying the jumper. And if you can give me those three things, then I would trust my organization to be able to develop that player into a guy that is a very useful piece at. Let's be frank, the single most valuable position that there is right now in the NBA. Very true. I, uh, for the record, I'm selling the jumper. So we have one buy, we have one sell. I would still take him late lottery though. Maybe not eighth overall. I'm thinking more like 10 to 14 range. Um, final question on Whitmore for me. If Jay Wright was his coach last year, how different are we talking about Cam Whitmore? Um, I think it is a, a different conversation uh, because I do think that Jay would have been a little bit better when it comes to figuring out ways to run stuff offensively and kind of get him better looks but at the same time like the the biggest thing with jay is i think that he was one of the best teachers of the game like teaching you how to play right and that's what whitmore really needs more than anything else right now is being taught how to play so maybe it would have sped up his development a little bit more but we would still have the same like look he missed all the time where you learn basically how to be a team defender in that villanova system right maybe he should have caught up but at the end of the day like if you watch the defensive possessions that they have, like you see him missing switches, you see him missing reads, you see him getting lost defensively. And I don't know if that gets cleaned up with Jay Wright on the sideline because I mean, Jay would have missed all this time actually being able to teach cam because cam wasn't there for like six weeks in the preseason when you learn all that stuff. So um, I I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. It it probably speeds up (laughs) the development a little bit more offensively, but I, we're, we still have the same criticisms, I think, of yeah. more overall. But again, I want I cannot emphasize this enough. He is not 19 years old yet. <laughs> He's not 19. There's so right. much room for him to learn and grow and develop. And if you trust your development system, then I think you want to get the best athletes that have the potential to be good shooters. Yeah, Jay Wright doesn't just totally drastically shift Cam Whitmore into a completely different player, in my opinion, but... I mean, we're coming off a pretty impressive Jay Wright line of professional basketball mm-hmm. players now, right? Even just in the last five years of Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, like I, I think a lot of the stuff we're saying we want to see from Cam Whitmore, a little more organization, being in the right spots, playing a little more on ball. I think we probably see all that if Jay Wright was his coach and maybe we know what is unknown right now a year earlier 
than we would before he turns 19 years old, Rob. All right, that's Cam Whitmore. Very promising prospect. If you want more of these episodes, check the description. We will be rolling out more than 50 of these over the next six weeks leading up to the NBA draft. Make sure to check out our live mock draft a week before the actual draft takes place. For Rob Doster, I'm Greg Waddell. We'll see you next time. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is, AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional bases for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back. It's another episode of the Field of 68's 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. I'm Greg Waddell. Rob Doster is here, and we are talking about one of our collective favorite players in this draft. That would be Kaysen Wallace, six foot four, 193 pound guard out of Kentucky. You know what they say about Kentucky guards, Rob? 12 points a game, three and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, two steals. Half a block, 35% from three, a very, very solid, I would call it little flash productive player that I can see doing a lot of things at the next level. Where does his game start for you when thinking about how it translates to the NBA? The defensive end. He is such a good defender. And I'm not just talking about like the one-on-one stuff where he's great. Like he... He's very good at moving his feet. He's very good at getting in a stance. Like he will slide with you. He will go chest to chest with you. He's not really reaching. And when he does reach, he is getting a steal. He's got some of the quickest hands I think I've ever seen. Um, I think he's tough enough to be able to guard up. Like if you need him to guard fours, I don't think that he's going to get bullied in that situation. I think he's strong. I think he's physical. Um, that that all of that's a like on ball stuff. Like he's going to be an elite defender in the NBA. He was an elite defender in college. I have no doubt about that. Um, the stuff that stood out to me more than anything else is the the off-ball stuff, the plays that he makes. There's so many times when you are watching the tape of Kentucky where Cason uh, Wallace pops up, makes a play, and you're like, what the fuck is he doing there? How did you end up in this spot? How did you end up in this situation? Like, Why are you making this read? How? Why are you there? What are you doing here? And it all is him getting seals, making plays, getting layups at the other end of the floor. He is the epitome to me of a winning basketball player. He just knows how to do all of the little things that you need to be able to do to win basketball games. And to me, there's so I have three comparisons written down for him. Um, I think that at a minimum, a worst case scenario, we're talking about a Pat Bev kind of a guy, right? Just an elite, elite defensive weapon that is good enough to be able to like knock down some threes, um, is going to be a rotational piece, is going to help you win basketball games, right? I think that's the worst case scenario is what you're getting with uh, with with Casey and Wallace. I think that the median outcome is probably Marcus Smart. And you just look at what Marcus Smart has done since he's been at Boston, how good Boston has been since he... There's a reason why this dude is like never leaves the starting lineup, right? Um, that is what I think Casey and Wallace probably is most likely going to end up being. But... If things come together offensively, if he gets better shooting off the dribble, um, if he's able to showcase what he can do in, in ball screen situations a little bit more, if he kind of puts it all together on the offensive end, I think we're talking about Drew Holiday. And Ooh. if you know me, you know how how highly I respect Drew Holiday as a defender, as a point guard, and as the 2021 NBA champion. I think that he is just fantastic. I would take Kaysen Wallace like, I, I said this on the, the Keontae George preview. I think he's probably the th- fourth best college prospect for me, somewhere in that range. I love what he can do defensively. I love what he will be offensively. And here is the single biggest thing, Greg. I'm going to say some names to you. Devin Booker, was he oh. better in college or better in the NBA? NBA. Tyler Tyler Hero, better in college or the NBA? NBA. Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey, better in college or the NBA? That one's debatable. He was great in college, but NBA. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, better in college or the NBA? Also debatable. NBA, though. Do I do you, do I need to keep going down this? These guys list? were like, pretty good in college too. Is the point? But they, I hear they you. were they were Kentucky fine, guards. but they weren't Kentucky guards. 
I don't. Yeah, I, it's Kentucky guards. You you mm-hmm. always take Kentucky guards, right? I, now there are so many Kentucky guards that if we wanted to play the flip side of this, we certainly could. But Kaysen is not going to fail in the NBA for two reasons: you don't outsmart him, and you don't out tough him. And if you have those two things with the frame that he has, with the quickness that he has, like he just has to be a rotational piece in the NBA, even if his worst case scenario happens. Like you said, it's Pat Bev. Like you, unless he lands on a total losing team that's trying to lose games, he's going to be able to contribute to what an NBA team wants, right? Because he's so competitive. He has elite hands. He's the best steals guy in this draft. His instincts are spectacular. On ball, he's dominant. Like he just, I saw at the Champions Classic where, you know, you knew the name of the guy, right? I'd never seen him really at all before one of the first games of the season. And three minutes into the game, I'm just like, this dude's taking Tyson Walker completely out of the game. He had like eight steals in that game. It was ridiculous. He was (laughs) all over the court. And for an 18-year-old kid, you're just like, what is happening right now? And I think that IQ I mentioned, I think it translates to offense too. Like, I think he's a really smart floor spacer. The most interesting part of the Case and Wallace conversation to me is that, and you know this because we talked a lot about during the season, what Kentucky's offense went through this year was quite a roller coaster ride. And I think Case and Wallace sort of just went with the swings of it. He did what Cal asked him to do, and that changed throughout the course of the season. Severe Wheeler left. They had nobody on the team with an assist rate higher than 10 after Severe Wheeler left the team. Cason Wallace now has to play point guard. He has to take a facilitation role on. I thought he did pretty good at that, but I I think what's maybe not missing, but what I would have loved to see, what would have taken him from like, he's going to be a can't miss rotational guy to maybe he could be an NBA star for me would be if he showed a little more scoring upside last year at Kentucky. Cause a lot of those Kentucky guards you named were guys. I didn't question like, can they be 20 a game guys in the NBA? If, if they hit hundred percent, they can with Kaysen, I still don't know if I see it. Like, I don't like that Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves scored more points a game than Kaysen Wallace last year at Kentucky. Yeah, I think and, a lot of that was was scheme, and a lot of that was what Cal wanted him to do. Um, but you're 100 percent correct. Like that's where the ceiling comes from. What will he be on the offensive end of the floor? Um, I think some of it is decision making. One thing that I do think is worth mentioning is that, especially when Severe Wheeler was there, and when you would have Severe on the floor with Casey Wallace and Jacob Toppin and Chris Livingston and Oscar Sheway, there's not a lot of room to drive, and Kaysen's not a guy where he's going to like, – he, he's not Keontae George. He doesn't have all these moves in his bag. We're not seeing step backs. We're not seeing pullbacks. Like He's not this elite offensive weapon that's going to create stuff in isolation. What he needs is to be able to you know, attack a closeout and get a driving lane and get to the basket. And there were no driving lanes anywhere on the floor with Kentucky last year. They just basically put everybody in the paint because you knew you didn't have that many shooters and you needed extra bodies to keep Oscar Sheway off the glass. Like It wasn't – the most difficult scout in the world to figure out what to do to stop Kentucky offensively. So when you get to the NBA level and all of a sudden, you know, you're going up against better defenders, but instead of having six bodies in the paint, when you put the ball on the floor, like there's no bodies in the paint, everybody's out on the perimeter and you don't have guys leaving to help because you'd rather give up a contested layup than you would a wide open three. So, um, that is something that I think is going to be interesting to see with case and Wallace. Like how does his game translate when he gets to a place where there is more space for him to be able to operate. And I don't think we can really have an answer for that until we see it. 
But for my money, like if you can get a guy that you know what he's going to be defensively, you know what he's going to be in terms of winning mentality and winning culture and and fitting into what a good team needs him to be. I don't know why you wouldn't take this dude unless you are a team that needs to like the difference between him and Keontae George. Um, and I'm just saying that because we literally just did this for Keontae George like two minutes ago is that I think Keontae George is the lottery ticket, right? You draft him knowing that there is a percentage chance that he could end up being a top 10 player in the league at some point, like a Devin Booker level player. If everything connects, whereas with case Wallace, like you don't have that same ceiling. I don't think we're looking at him and saying this guy has a chance to be first team all NBA one day. You're getting him because he could be a very good starter on a very good team. And the potential is like, you know, maybe an all-star, right? That's what Drew Holiday has made a couple all-star teams, I believe. Correct, yeah, yes. correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. So, yeah. So, like, if everything comes together, like, you're looking at a guy that'll make a couple all-star teams. You're not, we're not talking about a guy that you can build an entire franchise around. And that's the difference. So I, I would expect that he probably falls in this draft. And if you are a team that is, you know, a six seed, a seven seed, a team that needs to improve a little bit defensively, a team that is looking just to add some pieces that will help you win basketball games, that's your guy, Casey Wallace. Yeah, I'd scoop him up anywhere from like 16 on if I'm a team that has real aspirations of heading into a stretch of consecutive playoff series. Like if you can get Case and Wallace and you're trying to win games and you're built to win games now, like the next three years, he contributes automatically, mm-hmm. even if he doesn't reach his ceiling. So I like that. Um, yeah. I Also, to your point, like the spacing in Kentucky, he shot 64 percent at the rim last year, despite there being zero spacing. That's really impressive for a 6'4 guard that was essentially operating as a point guard. Like, I'm very impressed by that. There's not much statistically you can point to that is a red flag here, even if he hasn't been this dynamic three-level scorer. Like, he's been efficient pretty much everywhere, and he's not going to be asked to be a primary scorer in the NBA right away. He's going to be asked to be a guy who guards the best perimeter scorer, plays his ass off on that end, and then can hit open shots here and there and contribute with one dribble pull-ups. And he's good going both directions at making those little elbow jumpers right now. Let me give you two comps from my end quickly and see what you think. They're not as uh, as rosy as Drew Holiday, but one guy, I was literally watching this game while watching his film last night, and I'm like, I see some of that there. Bruce Brown, but mm-hmm. better. But Bruce Brown's a guy efficient now. It took him a couple years to get there. Great steals guy, average 11, four and three on a great team, 48% from the floor, 35% from three. Like to me, that's almost exactly the line case and Wallace could give you in a couple of years. And I think a best case scenario for me for case, and I'm not sure I see all-star upside like you. I do see Avery Bradley. I see a guy who is a starter for probably 10 years on playoff teams almost every single year. If he doesn't stick with one franchise, he hops around and he's a hired gun for some of the best teams in the league. And he comes in and gives you really good minutes, even as a vet 10 years from now. Yeah, I like both of those. They're all like these are all the same kind of archetype. It just depends on, you know, the difference between Drew Holiday and Avery Bradley is one guy figured out how to be um, a 20 point per game score and average six assists a game or whatever he ended up averaging. Right. And if Casey Wallace can get to that level, and he could be Drew Holiday. I think that is a top 5% outcome, but I don't think it's out of the question. Yep. And Bet on Kentucky guards, Gregory. Bet make. on Kentucky guards. Oh, 
Always. All right. Uh, if you want more of our NBA draft prospect breakdowns, you can get all of them in the description below. We're doing more than 50 of these over the next six weeks leading up to the NBA draft itself. And make sure you tap in for our live mock draft. We'll bring in some prospect experts. That'll happen a week before the draft takes place. For Rob Doster, for John Calipari, for Kentucky Guards Everywhere, I'm Greg Waddell. We'll see you next time.